Welcome to Real Crime NYC, where you'll hear real crime stories told by real cops. We'll also discuss some hot topics that have a law enforcement angle and have been in the news. We'll give you the facts and the insight based on our decades of experience. I'm Pat. Join Chris, Bill, and I for this episode of Real Crime NYC. In today's episode, we'll discuss what may have motivated Brian Koberger to commit these horrific murders of these college students. Okay, guys, what do you got? Pat, when you look at the probable cause affidavit, you can see how strategic and calculated Brian was. He stalked him on 12 prior incidents, going back to August 21st. He just moved there. I mean, he graduated from a Pennsylvania graduate program in June of 2022. And on August 21st is the first time he starts stalking them. He gets stopped by a police officer in Moscow at nighttime in the immediate area of their home. 12 times in the area, all but one at nighttime, early morning hours. And then you look at how he completed his courses after he did these murders. You think about it. He finished up his semester after he just murdered four people, disposed of the weapon, most likely disposed of the clothing. All of this adds up to a calculated and a strategic murder. There are some common traits among psychos and psychopaths, and he seems to have hit the mark on a lot of them. So just a couple of common traits for psychopaths. They have no remorse or no guilt. I think we've all seen narcissistic personalities, especially us guys in our past, but uh, they have no empathy. And if you have no empathy, you really can't feel guilt. I didn't see anything in his behavior that indicated he felt guilty about uh, you know his arrest or anything, but also... Psychopaths are impulsive. Now, if going back to that scene at 9.30 that morning is not impulsive, I don't know what is. So that's another trait he hits. I think that's panic. He goes back to that scene at 9 in the morning because he realizes, oh, shit, I left the sheath behind. And he wanted to go back there and follow his path and see where did I leave it. Yeah, but his state of mind, I think he was enjoying revisited the scene. I think it's common for the killers to go back to the scene. They're curious. They want to see the police get there. What's going on? Are they on my tail? It's very common for the killer to go back. But at the time of his arrest, I want to note, you talk about not being remorseful. Uh, he's actually quoted by one of the police officers and saying that I'm fine. I'm okay. He has something going on in his mind. He seems like he has uh, some psychological issues. But the real question is, does he have any underlying psychological issues? If the motive here is uh, you know, psychosis or homicide, this just comes about out of nowhere. He's never diagnosed with anything in early childhood. Throughout his 27 years, nobody has seen any type of psychological behavior that he just one day decides to do this. Does his education push him to do this because he's just so curious? I think generally you would see there's an underlying mental health issue that may have gone undiagnosed. But there are a lot of commonalities with him and BTK and the Garden State Killer. He stalked the victims. He stalked their houses. They had courses in criminology. There's a lot of commonality here. But the one thing we're lacking right now is how did he actually get drawn? What drew him to these four people? Yeah, two things, Chris, here. One commonality and or an attribute of most killers, this type of killer, they've experienced some kind of past trauma in their life. And, you know, the psychologist will tell you that kind of informed later on that they committed these horrific crimes. So it begs the question, what was his trauma when he was younger, growing up, maybe in his early adulthood? What was, was it the, the trauma? girls bullying him? Could be. Could be. Absolutely. And another thing is, you know, he has the feel of a serial killer. There's actually a definition of a serial killer. Serial killer 
by definition, kill three or more people, but usually it's over a long period of time or at least a month in between. So he killed four people here, but it's all one incident. Again, it begs the question, if he got away with this, how long was it going to be before he felt the need to do it again? Do you think this is the first time he's done this? I don't know. Well, the problem is now going forward. Uh, once they start doing the search warrants on his apartment, on his uh, his home, his car, his computer, you know, generally we'd go in and we look at the computer history. Is he searching how to clean a crime scene? Is he searching chemicals to use to to wipe away DNA? Generally, that gives you it'll give the prosecutor a good baseline to work with in court. Over here, the defense attorney is going to say, "Hey, that's part of his curriculum. He's a, a PhD in, in criminal justice and psychology." He, Everything he's done on his computer was for research, for his uh, thesis. You know, I think it's going to be a little a little difficult to explain what the motive actually is. Conversely, he could have went to a library in any one of the educational institutions he's been at and use a common computer that's open for public use. And he could have done the searches there if he was really smart about it. This way, you know, if it was long enough ago and there's no video there, you'd never know it was him that did well, the search. I, I think it will be odd to go through his computer a student, a PhD student in criminology and not see anything involving murder. You may find in there a link to one of the victims. You may find in there searches of one of the victims. Now, it's learned that Zayner and Maddie worked at the Mad Greek restaurant in Moscow. They were servers there. And he's a vegan. They have a vegan and a vegetarian option menu. You know, maybe he went in there. That's where he met them because the sheath was found on the side of where Maddie's bedroom is. So was she the target? Zana also worked there. Was Zana the target? If you look at the injuries, you see that Maddie and Kaylee were in the same bedroom in Maddie's bedroom on the third floor. He goes up there. He murders them first. I think that's the theory, the working theory based on the witness saying that she sees him walking towards her and out the side door. So you assume that he's coming from Zana's room. So if he murders Maddie and Kaylee first up there and leaves the sheath, was she the target? And did he get on to her at the Mad Greek restaurant? That's one theory. Or it could be just a total another theory. Maybe he came across her online, social media. But if I am a police officer in Pennsylvania right now, I'm looking at any unsolved murders in Pennsylvania, in the immediate area of where he lived, in the immediate area of where he went to school, that fit this MO, that fit the characteristics of these murders. Because if you have a partial DNA, on any of the victims and any of the weapons or any of the items that you couldn't put into the CODIS database, well, now you have Brian's DNA profile that you could do a one-to-one match. People don't realize if you have a partial DNA from a crime scene, you can't put that into CODIS, but you can do a one-to-one comparison to it. I would look for unsolved murders that fit the same MO, have the same characteristics in the immediate area of where he lived and went to school. And I would do those comparisons. I'd be doing them right now because I find it hard to believe that even though he made all these mistakes, I find it very hard to believe that your first murder is going to be four people and it's going to be this brutal. I think he's either thought about it before. I think he's either done it before, carried it out before. And think about it. He only got to the area within months of committing these crimes. Well, there was definitely some psychological gratification here. So when you say he thought about it prior 
Absolutely, he thought about it. I mean, that's that's one of the linchpins of a, what they call a serial killer is they do it for some kind of a psychological gratification. But I'd be interested in finding out, you know, when they talk to this guy's neighbors where he lived when he was younger, was he abusive to animals? You know, I think we're going to find out a lot of weird things that when you put them all together, you're going to say, wow, this is a disturbed individual. I think he got in some trouble at one of his prior employments for stalking a young female. They said he was kind of aloof and a loner at his present job. But you know what? He's he's a teacher's assistant. He's new in the area. That could all be explained away. But if anybody knew all the pieces to this, man, you know, I think we're going to find a very, very strange individual here. I listened to a woman that said she went on a Tinder date with him a few years back, and she said he was socially awkward. He kept trying to touch her. She went to the bathroom. And finally, she was saying that she had a vomit, and she never came out of the bathroom. And, uh, you know, he texted that he was leaving but just a socially awkward guy. You know what was interesting about that that I found interesting was the fact that he was touching her, like she said, but when she would tell him, why are you touching me? Stop touching me. He would constantly reply, I didn't touch you. I'm not touching you. That's also one of the traits of a psychopath. They need to be in control. And Bill, I was thinking when you were describing the sheath in the room, the roommate says she heard a voice say, I'm here to help you. And that's another sign. If that was indeed him who said that, he was saying that to be in control of that person. That's some sick so, shit. That's what that is. That's sick shit. Sure this is, guy's man. got some freaking but it, psychological but it's concerning. It's concerning because now gives the defense attorney a defense of he was un, unfit mentally when he committed this crime. Um, no, he's going to fight this. He's not going. Listen, well, they're gonna, I'm, I'm they, sure they, the defense attorney is going to try that angle. They're going to seek the death penalty. He'll be lucky. He'll be lucky if they take the death penalty off and offer him life in prison without parole. He'll be lucky. But I I doubt they even do that. They have so much evidence on this. This guy screwed up over and over. He got overconfident. Academically, he thinks he's superior than a lot of people, the narcissism in in him. But at the end of the day, he made a lot of mistakes. Just the phone alone. I mean, you're going by there 12 times prior to the incident, 12 times, and he doesn't turn his phone off on those 12 times. Imagine the times that he did turn the phone off. So think about it, 12 times that we know of, how many times actually did he go by there? And he went there at night. He knew probably what time they went to bed, who was in what rooms. I mean, he carried this out in what, 15, 20 minutes? Think about this. You said he was there 12 times, right? Based on his phone pings. Did he go into that house on any of those 12 occasions without those people even knowing it? Imagine you're sleeping in your bed and this guy's standing in your bedroom watching you sleep. And then he just leaves and he does it 12 times. Pat, I would say yes. You hit it on the head. A couple of weeks ago, you had said these college kids have Wi-Fi. People go into those homes and the Wi-Fi tries to pick up on those phones. That's what happened here. The parent of one of the victims came out and said he was so close to that home on those prior occasions that his phone was coming up on their Wi-Fi. Oh, that's, wow. That's some sick shit. He's, he may have been in that house on prior occasions. Actually, maybe he was going to do what he was doing on the 12 prior occasions, and he just got caught this time when somebody said, it was Zana, I think uh, that's what Dylan was saying. Zana said, someone's in the house. Maybe he got caught, and that's why he panicked, and that's why he started to murder them. You know, you don't know what triggered him to do it on this night. Yeah. Idaho had a home game, a football game, 
there were a lot of people in that town on that night. That was a hopping night. He didn't expect that the DoorDash would go there at four in the morning. He comes from a very rural town. The college that he graduated from in Pennsylvania wasn't that big. This is a bigger college town. He didn't expect the amount of cameras that were in the area. Think about it. His car gets caught on that camera. They got him doing a K-turn. They got him passing by there. On the night of the incident, they got him passing by there three times before the fourth time when he goes and commits those murders. And then when he's leaving, his phone's off, but then he puts it back on when he's on the highway. All calculated strategic, but stupidity ended up doing him in. They got a it's lot of evidence It's almost as if he guy. wanted to get caught. I agree. I think this... This is going to go, prosecution-wise, it's going to go 100%. But you got to say, what is the defense attorney going to do? How is he going to defend them? What's his strategy in court? It's very hard to dispute the DNA evidence. You know more evidence is going to come out. The investigation is not over. It actually just begins now. The prosecutor is going to direct the investigators. They're going to have to go back to June. You know, the very first time that he visited that house, you know, something had to have happened around that week that brought him to that house. Uh, unfortunately, it's so far in the past, you know, video's probably gone, but they're going to have a lot of obstacles trying to figure out each and every day what he was doing. They got a big timeline to piece together from June to today. Uh, the defense attorney's got to figure it out. Uh, what's his angle? What is he going to do? Is he going to say this guy had underlining mental issues? You just described it. He has social disorder. He touches people. As much evidence as they have right now, the prosecution is going to get even more and more evidence as they go through that vehicle. Uh, 100%. As they 100%. go through his computer, as they go through additional video and camera footage, they're going to gain more and more evidence to support that prosecution. It's just going to hurt him. Listen, no matter what defense he has, he made such fatal mistakes. There's no such thing as a perfect- But problem. I would like to have seen the murder weapon. You know nothing is more damaging than that knife co-mingled DNA, four victims' DNA, and his DNA on the knife. Nothing's more damaging. A jury's going to look for that murder weapon. A jury's going to look to see what's in that car. If the victim's blood was inside that car, nothing is more damaging. And you don't have it here. You know, if he said, hey, I threw that knife out a long time. Somebody must have taken it. Yeah, of course my DNA is on it. Does a well, jury I, believe it? Probably I, not. They're gonna have I, to build. They're gonna have to build this case stronger and stronger. But it, the investigation is just starting now. They got a lot of work to do. I feel I don't think they, it's just going to be a, a lock shut case. No, but but I do feel like they're going back and I do feel they are looking for the clothing and they're looking for the weapon. Now, the weapon could be in the bottom of a river somewhere. It could did be, they search the trash at Washington State University? He goes back to Washington State. Did they go in the trash for his clothes? He's wearing they're looking for van sneakers because of the diamond pattern that was in the footprint at the crime scene. He's wearing vans. When he's walking into jail, I don't know. Is it uh, corrections sneakers they gave him? Are those the shoes he was actually wearing? Do we have clothing? We don't have shoes. We don't have his clothing. These are all things that need to be done. One of the things that I think about is it was reported that he, after the day of the murders, he took a, tr a drive about, I think they said it was about 100 miles north of where the university he worked at is. And there's no explanation for that trip. And it seems to be a very... Uh, you know, wooded, uh, rural area. Obviously, if I were them, I'd be all over that area looking with dogs and everything else that I had to see if I could get the knife, as many the bloody people clothes, as you could get. the shoes. Yeah. The problem is the area is so wide and it's a huge piece of right. the area that that they'd have to look to. I believe they are doing that, but they would they would have to be. They would they would be, uh, you know, uh, remiss if they didn't do that. Do you disagree? He got rid of the clothing and the weapon 
when he went there. When he traveled that far away in a wooded area, he gets rid of it. He goes back to the scene the next day looking for that sheath. He goes back so early in the morning. I know people like to go back. These psycho killers, the serial killers like to go back to the scene. They get off on it. Wasn't it the same day he went back at 930? Right, he goes it was back the day to, of the murder. Right, right. the murder happens was, between four and four twenty-five. Right, he goes. He goes back. Murders happen between four and four twenty-five a.m. He goes back there at nine-ish. I think he went back to that scene because he wanted to see the excitement. He wanted to enjoy his handiwork. He wanted to see the police, all the chaos running around, maybe even some bodies being removed. He wanted to keep that thrill going. When he got there, he's disappointed. Because no one's called the police yet. There's nothing going on. You think he gets off on this. You think every time he stalked them, he got off on it. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't he go in? If he's at 9 o'clock, he goes back at 9 o'clock. There's no police there. There's there's no big scene going on. Why doesn't he go in? How do you know he didn't go in? The front door was open. He's confused. He's wondering why. Hey, wait a minute. I know there's four dead people in there and blood all over the place. Why aren't the police all over this place? Why is there nothing going on here? He probably just drove away trying to figure out the heck went on here. Why why isn't this place alive with activity? Poor choice of words, I guess. So the unsung heroes here are the two Washington State University offices. On November 29th at 1228 a.m., one of them do a query on a computer and find that there's a 2015 white Hyundai Elantra with Pennsylvania plates registered to one of the students. And then right after that, a half an hour after that, one of the police officers actually look for it and they locate the white car. They are the unsung heroes because that happens on the 29th of November. That's key to this investigation. That's what would put police directly on this subject at that time. That's a home run. Yeah. How great is that? They pulled out a bolo to all the law enforcement in the area. If he comes up on the radar that early on, I would confiscate that car as quick as I could have gone through the trash as quickly as we could have to get as much evidence as we could. I don't think I would have laid, uh, waited till the end of December, just like you had said in, in the early episode, why let him leave the state? I don't think I would have waited a month. We all know how important time is of essence. Uh, you got to get to it. I don't necessarily think you can characterize it as weighted because we don't know what they actually did in that period of time. They might have put been putting their building blocks together and the I think idea a month that is they were too long. Way the too idea long. that they were sitting there waiting, I just think that's not a good way to say it. I think we're we're, you get uh, we're taking a shot at them when we shouldn't. My personal feeling is they give this lead to the Moscow Police Department on November 29th. They're getting thousands of leads at that point. You think about how many white Elantras are in the area or how many people are calling in with certain leads. So that's on November 29th. And then they wait until December 23rd to do the search warrant for Brian's cell phone. So in that time period, there's rumors going around, and we don't know factually if they did the genealogy, but they could have put the DNA profile into a genealogy database, and then it comes back on later on in December, and that's why they do the search warrant for his cell phone. As the court case goes on, and as the trial starts, you're going to find out from the 29th of November to December 23rd exactly what happened. But when they do backtrack, they are able to get video of him on December 16th in Pennsylvania in the vehicle. They do find out that Indiana did a query in the computer database on December 15th. That's when they stopped him. When you go back and they're going to get, just gather more and more evidence as the days go on, more video evidence, more DNA evidence, when they go through his computer, 
So this case is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger as far as building the evidence against him. Now, his defense has a lot of work to do. As much as he planned it out, he made so many mistakes. And that's something that we don't know at this point. You know, each building block of evidence is going to get chopped down by the defense. So you have to go into this with as much as you can. I think what they have is great. They ID the perp. They captured the perp. But they need a lot more. A lot of circumstantial. They need a lot more. You don't think that the evidence points that this is the guy, this is the killer? I think trial leads you into an unknown. And based on what we know right now, is this evidence able to be argued to the degree that it's going to put doubt in a jury member's mind? Because remember, that's what you're looking at here, doubt. You have to prove beyond the reasonable doubt that he did commit this crime. He stalked him. He stalked him. Right. right. 12 times prior to. He goes by the house, passes by the house three times on a night of. Prior to, and then the fourth right. time, he goes in, right? He turns his phone off as he's leaving his house, turns his phone back on the night of the murder as he goes back to his house. His DNA comes on a sheath button. No, but hear me out now. So yeah, so he's a stalker. Hey, my client, it's a stalker. He's crazy. He's a degenerate. He's, he's everything in the book, but he's not a murderer. Did anybody see him murder them? He was with a friend of his. There's somebody else in the house. Maybe he's the murderer. Yeah, his DNA was there. Where's the knife with his blood? Everything has a tendency of being explained. And if defense attorney is that good and could put doubt in that jury's mind, they're going to win. If he was smart, his attorney would go to the prosecutor and said, all right, what are you offering? Take the death penalty off the table. I would do it right too now. Early. They're gonna way, more, way too early. You got pre-trial hearings. They're going to they're gonna suppress evidence. We don't even know what's going to be suppressed for trial. So well, I think that's why they don't put, for that. I think that's why they don't put the genealogy in the uh, probable cause affidavit. If they did use it, they don't put it in there because they don't want to lose that evidence. Here's, here's my feeling on it. The defense attorney's got a job to do. He's going to impugn every single thing that they try to introduce as evidence. If that doesn't work, he's going to try to say that the suspect is the victim. He's been traumatized. He's mentally ill. They're going to try every trick in the book. Every the angle. Bottom line, he, the bottom he is, line is. He is mentally ill. You are right. The bottom line is, in my opinion, this is a slam dunk. There's just so much. You have scientific evidence. You have the telephone evidence. You have his prior behavior. You have the sheet at the scene with his DNA on it. You have people that are probably going to be willing All to testify. circumstantial. A lot of people have All gone very to jail. Highly for a long circumstantial. Time on circumstantial. Highly, I'll, I'll admit, highly circumstantial. And listen, everybody wants this guy to be the killer. Let's face it. Everybody. We want somebody to be responsible for this. And he Closure. fits it 100%. But you know, as well as I know, once he gets to that trial, things go crazy. We've seen it time after time. People still ex- don't understand how OJ survived that trial. It happens. We're better today. We have technology. We have science. We're better today. But again, once it goes to trial, all bets are off. Do they move the venue out of Moscow? I to, think they have to. I to think they move? have to. So they, yeah. you think they move it to Boise? I think so. 100%. There's, an, there's an impartial uh, jury. This is going to take time. It's going to be a year or two in the making. We don't know what's going to come down the pipe. But they still have a lot of work to do. They still need to get more evidence. They still need to put it together. I would like to see his clothing, his shoes, and that murder weapon. We have no witness. You have no video of him actually being in the house or committing the homicide. Those two things are what juries want to see today. So I think I mentioned it earlier. There's there's an actual definition for a serial killer. 
And our guy here, Brian, does not fit it. It's killed three or more people. Has like they did it for uh, abnormal psychological gratification reasons, and it happens over a month or a long period of time. So technically, he doesn't fit the definition of a serial killer. But it's hard to think of him as anything other than a serial killer in my mind. Anyway, have you guys ever had you know a case where you've you've sat in that room with someone that just was you know, different from the rest of the murders you handled. I mean, you have people that kill for a criminal conspiracy, for narcotics reasons or crime reasons, and they're a different kind of an animal than someone that you would think of as a serial killer. You guys have ever have anybody like that that was just a different kind of animal? Yeah, sure. We've seen it a few times. The one in Brooklyn with the yeah, 22 the, rifle, the, the Ruger 22 right, rifle. The stores, that's what Ruger I was going to say. The yeah, store. he killed my friend Mohammed. All right, the guy that was going around uh, killing the store owners in Brooklyn, that guy killed, what, three right. or four different stores three in a month. with a twenty-two uh, rifle? Had some crazy fantasies that the CIA put him up to it, that he had to go and kill these Muslims. Right. That's one of them. The one that I can think of is, is a case in Brooklyn where we had a, uh, a killer, also a stabber, used a knife, and he killed children. He killed women. He killed a homeless person, we think, and uh, sitting just trying to communicate, talk with this person. It was a horse of a different color. You could tell this guy was evil and he was crazy as the day is long. And there was a palpable feeling about this guy. And he was just at peace with the whole thing. It didn't bother him one bit when he was arrested, when he sat in a box, when we tried to talk to him about it. And uh, that's why I brought it up. It's, it's just, it's almost like you could feel it in the person when you get someone who's like this kind of a killer. You get into incidents where you get mad at somebody, a road, road rage incident. You're not going to get out of the car and start stabbing them or shooting them. There has to be something mentally off with somebody to, to escalate it to that level. And usually you start with petty crimes if you're going to escalate up to a homicide. You know, you don't just come out and kill four people. So you put all these pieces together. This guy's got some psychological problem, whether it was diagnosed, not diagnosed. But I think the defense attorney is probably going to use that to his best defense. Before we wrap it up, I'd just like to commend the local Moscow Police Department, Idaho State Police, Idaho State Police Lab, and also the FBI. Just really phenomenal job piecing this all together and identifying them with the help of the Washington State uh, University officers, getting the evidence, gathering the evidence as they continue to gather the evidence, and apprehending him in Pennsylvania across the country. I mean, just phenomenal job. Hats off to them. Everyone's worst nightmare. A psycho with a broken brain who nobody could figure out why he actually did this. Everyone's worst nightmare. And that's that. Thanks for joining us for this hot topic on Real Crime NYC. Tune in to the next episode of Real Crime NYC called Betty in a Bag about the murder of a young woman found washed up on the shore of an island off the coast of New York City. I'm Pat. I'm Chris. And I'm Bill. We'll see you when we see you.